0: Bill, thanks yeah. for taking some time uh, to, to talk to me today. Uh, we're really excited uh, having you on our advisory board and your your career has been uh, in a variety of areas uh, and obviously business development is, is a key component. But what I want to talk to you about first, uh, you're a very strong proponent of your region, Western New York, as is Frank, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think for many of us, when we look at certain cities, uh, you know Buffalo, Cleveland, I went to school in Milwaukee, you look at some of these cities that were vibrant manufacturing type areas. They obviously had other other businesses as well. And then they struggled for a bit, and they're they're coming back, right? Or they're back. maybe it's they're already back. Um, but yeah. Buffalo obviously has um, a lot to offer. Talk a bit about the region and the importance of what um, hopefully we're bringing to the table by adding you know adding staff, creating jobs and all that along with the other folks. Uh, talk a bit about Western New York, both what it means to you and the importance of that as a vibrant area, not just the state of New York, but for the country.
1: Uh, it's great, uh, great. First of all, John, great to be here. Uh, just a tremendous uh, privilege for me to be. A part of this part of this board uh and and, and this company and, and to be working alongside you so thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to have this conversation today yeah so you you mentioned milwaukee and cleveland now i'll throw indianapolis in the mix austin you know raleigh um uh these were you know um cities that i think have really leveraged uh Tech and tech-enabled businesses to really kind of turn around their ecosystems, their 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 entrepreneurial ecosystems, and you know, just focusing specifically on Cleveland because I know that's kind of where AML is based. Um, I would say they're probably seven, you know, ten years ahead of Buffalo, quite frankly. But we're we're really accelerating uh, efforts to catch up. And I've been intimately involved, as you know, and as Frank knows, I had. The great force and ability in a wonderful medical device company here in Western New York based in Buffalo New York and um, got to really appreciate um, uh, just the the uniqueness the 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 um, the uh, commitment the the ethics of, of the workforce here in Buffalo and and when I sold my company uh, I made a commitment that I was going to do everything I can to really kind of exploit the um, the assets of this community this region to the rest of the world and there are a number of things that I've done um, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is I'm one of the founders of 43 North which is the world's largest business plan competition and it was established initially to essentially kind of put Buffalo on the mark on the map excuse me as a great place to come and build and start a business and you know there's all sorts of reasons why very similar to Cleveland um, you know, really good people, hardworking people, uh, great, great infrastructure, great bones. Um, um, you know, you got access to natural resources like fresh water. You know, four seasons, all the wonderful things about Buffalo, uh, about Cleveland, obviously exist in Buffalo. So, as it turns out, the initial thrust behind forthp North was to really just kind of open up the world to Buffalo, but it's it's been much more than that, and we've brought you know, dozens and dozens of very successful uh, startup tech companies to Buffalo. They're building their companies. Now we had our first unicorn uh, earlier this year. Uh, ACV went public at a several billion dollar valuation. Um, we have another unicorn right around the corner. So we've, we've really created uh, for a variety of reasons, which I know we don't have time to get into now, mm-hmm. Uh, this perspective and this understanding that Buffalo is a great place to build a tech-oriented um, a startup. So when I met Frank and when I heard the amazing story about what you guys are doing with AML and his interest in potentially, um, you know, growing a segment of his company here, uh, it was obviously, I think, a good move for AML, but it was incredibly uh, incredibly uh, meaningful to Buffalo to have a company of such pedigree, um, of such trajectory, uh, want to establish a presence in Buffalo. And, you know, what we're attempting to do here, John, it's like a business. It, 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 everything revolves around momentum. And there's all sorts of things that we're doing to sustain and accelerate momentum in our community around what we're trying to do to build a really exciting entrepreneurial ecosystem here. And having you and Frank decide to build a presence here in Buffalo certainly helped to accelerate that momentum, especially at a time when, you know, and, and you know coming into the pandemic, um, there was great concern as to what that was going to do to stunt our momentum. Right. Um, but I think to some degree, a lot of people now are looking at cities like Buffalo, like Cleveland, like Austin as a, maybe a more adaptable solution than cities like Boston and New York and Philly and San Francisco. So it's been very meaningful having us here. Uh, It's been a very, very important piece of what we're trying to build. um, And it couldn't have come at a better time.
0: You know, as as one of the, um, you know, leaders of the movement to show the world that Buffalo has value, what are the what are some of the challenges? What's because you know obviously business looks, they look for uh, staffing, edu- what's the education system like? You sure. know, what have what previous sure. businesses been? If they, if they have failed, why? So, yeah. what have been the challenges to attract people to Buffalo? And not going to be facetious, obviously, the weather is uh, something that all these northern cities address and they, they thrive, that's fine. But outside of uh, those sort of considerations, what are the challenges that you faced and are facing to uh, attract? Businesses that you you obviously have been able to do thus far.
1: Yeah, and it just you know, just addressing the weather, just real quick. I mean, you know that was that was a big issue for Buffalo. Buffalo, for some reason, was like the Siberia of the North. I mean, it was ridiculous, okay. and it's really not true. We have a much more tempered climate. And I think when people understand the beauty of the four seasons, which we have here, I think people have grown to appreciate that. And I think just in general, people's attitudes as a result of COVID have changed forever. COVID may be waning. As a result of some great scientific expertise and engagement, but um, there's absolutely no doubt the way people, professionals, think about how they want to carry on their day and the environment for which they want to do that, I think has changed. And I think Buffalo is well suited to address that. But getting back to the challenges, I think um, you know it, it all comes down to your ability to to build a sustainable pipeline of talent. Right? Um, there's absolutely no doubt what we look at as employers. Um, has changed in terms of the type of skill sets that people need. Right. And, you know, Cleveland and, and, and other cities that have really come out on top have had to address that. And that's an issue that Buffalo has to address. And I, and I put that right back squarely into the education system, right? If you look at the top tech-enabled workforces in the country, the top 10 cities, mm-hmm. three of them are in Utah. And people don't understand why, but the reason is because someone there 15 years ago realized, yeah, that it's really good to teach a kid who's in eighth grade to speak Chinese, but what's more important is to teach them how to code. Mm-hmm. It's more important to teach them to think about how to incorporate technology and in what they do. So they completely changed STEM to include those things 15, 20 years ago. And what they have now is the most tech-enabled workforce in the in the country. And they're the ones who are seeing the greatest opportunity to build these, these tech-oriented you know, ecosystem. So I think our challenge, quite frankly, is the pipeline challenge, right? right? Can we meet the demand? If AML decides they want 100, 300 people, can we meet that demand? Uh, and we are doing a lot of things to address that on the front end and on the back end. The front end being bringing organizations in that support, you know, the support, the education of, of, of young adults, um, uh, around tech um, we're, we're doing things to like 43 north to encourage young entrepreneurs to want to come to buffalo and to bring their talent here um, which 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 makes it easier for us to convince people that yeah moving to Buffalo is not it's not as bad as you might think it is and then on the back end we're working with the education system to get them to understand that we know that you know that, that, that you're we know that you have, these systems that you've been working in for so long, but here's where the world is going and here is how everyone benefits from it. So I think that's our biggest challenge, quite frankly. Um, But you know what? It's a really nice challenge to have because we didn't have it, nor were we thinking about it just five years ago.
0: If you're working directly for say the chamber of commerce in Buffalo, in the Western New York, what's a metric that shows success? Is it simply The increase in companies that come to Buffalo is it um, those that go go through the school educational system and stay there? Is it both of those things? Is you know just in really high level? Obviously, there's probably a lot of metrics. I think. But what what do you think? I'll tell
1: you. Yeah, I think I think first of all, I you know I think first and foremost based on what we're trying to do, it's how much BC money is coming into Buffalo. You know. Ten years ago, there was twenty million dollars of venture capital money spent in Buffalo or invested in Buffalo. Last year, it was almost three hundred million. Wow! I mean, so so and you know, and we're on our way to being half a billion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so I think that that's a really important benchmark, right? I talked about what we're doing on the front end of the funnel to address this this pipeline issue of talent. Well, there's an organization called Bitwise. I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of discussion around what Bitwise is, but Bitwise. Uh, is a phenomenal organization that comes in and invests tens of millions of dollars to build educational centers to teach, you know, black and brown people how to code and how to do software development. And not only do they put them through an 18 month program, but when they're done, they're guaranteed a job, a high paying job. Um, You know, Bitwise never looked at Buffalo five years ago. So there, there are things that you would typically, you could look at, compensation, you can look at, you know, people, you know, you population data, you can look at, there's all sorts of like fundamental things that people just look at. But I look at the things like, you know, who's looking at Buffalo, who's investing in Buffalo, why are they investing in Buffalo? Okay. Who's thinking about coming to Buffalo? And what's that going to do to really kind of support the infrastructure of the, of the ecosystem we're trying to build? So I look at it a little bit different than, than a typical chamber would look at it, but I think at some point the chamber is going to come around and see it the way we see it. So those are the things that I look at, and those are the things I encourage the people who are responsible for selling buffalo professionally should 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 think about.
0: And that's that's great. That sounds like very logical. Uh, a couple a couple more questions. Uh, what drew you to Right Source? You, you're on a lot of boards. You're doing a lot. You got your hands in a lot of. Uh, a lot of pies as it were so you're doing a lot for the for the region as we already stipulated what drew you yeah. to give us some of your time here at AML right source
1: so so you know i'm 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 you know, any any tech company or any company for that matter that's interested in coming into buffalo because of my profile in the community at some point i always have the opportunity to meet leadership when they're thinking about making that really hard and important decision about what and where to grow their business whether whether it's a primary location or a secondary location. Um, I got to meet Frank uh, I got to understand his business uh, um, and I was just so impressed with him and and, and with with his vision for the company. Um, obviously what you guys do and what you provide to to your to your customers is so critically important and it and, and it evolves and it changes. Almost like daily in terms of what their needs are and the challenges associated with what you guys do, I was fascinated by the business and, you know, had, you know had the opportunity to play a role in introducing Frank to 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 the developers who are leading kind of this effort to build a very expansive tech hub in in, in the downtown corridor of Buffalo. And one thing led to another, and a lot of different conversations about my skill set, my experience that seemed to be a really good fit with Frank and next thing I know I'm talking to you and I'm on your board. So I, you know, it just, it just, it wasn't something that I expected to happen, but I, it's something that I'm extraordinarily grateful that it did because I've really enjoyed getting to know Frank and his team and getting to know you and the board. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was nothing more than that really. <laughs>
0: the, um, the, yeah, the tech enablement is, is an add-on we've done in the past a half a year with a number of companies that are now part of the AML yeah. right source world. So that leads me to a broader question. We are obviously still navigating the pandemic that you alluded to up, up front. And, you know, God, we're all praying that the, the variant doesn't put us back behind the eight ball, as they say. But um, people going back to work, uh, we've learned yeah. a lot in the past year and a half. You know, right? source, we, we grew, not just by acquisition, but we were fortunately able to hire. Um, so that right. was really uh, the pandemic wasn't a benefit, but we were able to navigate that. Our IT folks did a tremendous job of bringing everybody from office space to home and not really missing a beat because of all the security issues that are important to our clients. What have we learned high level from the pandemic, and what do you envision? You're, you're involved in so many different companies. Um, what do you see in terms of what's the work? That's, what's the workplace going to look like? Are we going to go? And I this isn't about RightSource specifically, but just in general, is it going to be? it's going to obviously depend, but we're going to have some cases, hybrid situations, right. We're some cases remote. We've learned that we can be uh, we can get the work done remotely. Our jobs are different because our clients are going to want us back in offices and all that. But just in general, what's your take of this? Uh, obviously nothing like this has happened in a hundred years in our country. What, what's your yeah. takeaway from the past year and a half?
1: Well, I think, I think, first of all, I think, you know, just in general, the way, um we address situations like this going forward in the future um i think we've learned a lot of we've learned a lot of hard lessons about how you need to manage through something like this um just clinically and scientifically but looking at you know from 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 our world as as business professionals i think first of all the pandemic has changed the way you know we we are on the waning ends of this thing there's no doubt about it i'm not i'm not at all worried about this current variant um as long as we can continue to get people vaccinated, right. uh, it's right. more than effective in, in keeping people safe, or at least keeping people out of the hospital. Yep. And as you know, all viruses ultimately, you know, they, they fizzle out and this will be nothing more than like the common cold a couple of years from now. But but here's how I look at it. I think, I think consumer behaviors have changed forever, right? I think the way people live their lives, the way that people prioritize things, um, there will be you know, forever impacts uh, uh, as a result of this. And we're not here to talk about that, but I think, you know, when I look at it, how it's going to impact the workforce and 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 people's desire to want to get back and engage. Um, you know, there are certain stressors when you have to go to work every day and have to go to an office. Uh, there are also stressors when you have to work from home.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, when, you know, and I think, I don't think we understand Uh, those enough yet but I do think they exist and I think there are studies out there now I know the Harvard Business Review has done some studies where you know you know the majority of people find it a more stressful environment to be working from home than they do to be working in the environment so I think I think those things will continue to play out I think that um, I think there's the question of if you have two equal parties doing really good work and one is working from home and one is at the office every day engaging with their colleagues who's going to move up the ladder quicker. Right. Right. And, and right. And then I think there's just the fundamental, you know, benefit of just putting people in a room and being able to watch the dynamics, you know, uncurated, right. You know, the problem that I have with social media and the problem that I have with all this is people have an opportunity to kind of curate reality. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is going to, it's going to become part of how people manifest themselves professionally you and I as professionals make decisions based on a lot of things when we decide to advance people or to bring people into our world professionally. And a lot of that is based on personal interaction, you know, and I think when you think about the qualities of that interaction and what happens, I think ultimately that's going to end up carrying the day. And I think we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy. I think I look at it a little bit differently that, like you said, John, to me, I don't know if it was, earlier today or in a previous conversation we were already going in this direction right. we were identifying and in working into our worlds the fact that some people were going to be working remotely and that was okay i think we're going to come back to that in the next 12 to 18 months i really do
0: so last question um it, you've had uh, obviously continue to have an interesting life great family and all that but one of the things i'm curious about i think the uh Staff would like to hear a little bit about your rowing background. You're currently a trustee at the Westside Rowing Club, but you have a, a background in that. Tell us a little bit about your career in rowing.
1: So I was, you know, my parents are musicians, um, so I grew up playing the piano. I wasn't very athletic. Um, my neighbor, uh, who I admired, this big, strong, strapping guy, he was just, you know, uh, playing the high school football team. He was a great rower. He took me down to the rowing club one day uh, when I was when I was a young kid and because and, they needed a coxie. If, if you don't know anything about rowing, the is the light guy who sits up in the front seat and steers the boat. And uh, I fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with the rowing club. It was very reflective of the West Side Rowing Club in Buffalo. It's, it's actually the oldest rowing club in the country. Um, it's a place where you walk through the, the front door and it doesn't matter if you're a fireman, a doctor um, you know, you work, it it doesn't matter. Everybody's treated equally there. I I, I immediately felt comfortable there. And, uh, um, I I just took, took, took a liking to the sport. And, you know, I was one of these kids who kind of grew, uh, a little bit later in life and, and became an oarsman and a lightweight oarsman, uh, and had a wonderful career. I won a number of national championships. And, and now just like, you know, I give back to my community, you know, in my entrepreneurial pursuits, uh, for the rowing club. I can't give enough time. It's 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 an organization that I'm very passionate about. It has an enormous impact on the youth of Western New York, and and uh, I, I you know um, it's it's had a huge impact in my life. You know, rowing is the ultimate team sport, sure. um, and I think that's you know outside of the amazing lessons that my parents taught me about empathy and generosity and, and deference. You know, that sport teaches all those things too. You can't go fast if not everybody in the boat is as is on the same page. So. Um, that's, Bill, that's, that's my rowing story.
0: That's great. Bill, thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, thanks for talking today, but more importantly, for being part of our team. We're looking forward to at some point meeting you in person because we've met via Zoom for the past <laughs> right, year. And right. So eventually right. that'll change. Looking forward to that. Coming up to Buffalo and uh, having you show me around. So thanks for taking the time.
1: John, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity.